Hey guys, welcome to the weekly podcast of Encounter Church, Sedalia, Missouri. It's our prayer that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your life. If you want more information about Encounter Church, please go to our website, encounterchurch.ag. Thanks again. Enjoy the message. Well, welcome this morning. Thank you for being with us um, today. I'm excited about today. We are continuing in our series that we're simply calling Christmas Revolution. And here's what we want to discover. Uh, Jesus's approach to Christmas, to this season, was none other than a revolution of love. Now, the word revolution, by definition, is defined as a sudden, radical, or complete change. Now, some of you are sitting here right now, and you're like, Pastor, this is the third week that you've given us this definition, because sometimes we need to be reminded a few more times, right? So Jesus came to bring about a, a sudden, radical, complete change. It's exactly what he did. From that moment forward, from the time that he came as the baby in the manger in the little town of Bethlehem, everything began to change. The world was no longer the same. Suddenly, hope set in. Jesus takes the stage, and the revolution begins. Now, This morning, though, I want to step out just a little bit, and I want to look at what is our role in this Christmas revolution. What is your role in this Christmas revolution? It would be so very easy to get caught up in all the hoopla of the holidays, the the busyness of the holidays, the shopping, the materialistic things, the, the gift buying, the gift wrapping, the cookie making, and all the goodies that go along with the Christmas season. It would be so very easy to sit back during this revolution time and miss out on what God has for us. But did you know that God desires that each and every one of us join in this adventure that he has set before us? Let me me ask that question again. Did you know that God desires that every one of us, that you and you and you and me and every one of us join together in this adventure, this revolution that he set in motion? Every one of us has a responsibility. Every one of us has a part to play in what he has set before us. I would encourage you, seek after God. See, your purpose and your drive, though we may have some similar things and we may have some basic foundational things that are, that are very similar between you and me, but we may have totally the opposite calling for the kingdom of God. So I would encourage you, let God speak into your life. Let God lead you. Let God direct you. Now this morning, um, for our illustration, I want to use Mary. Mary is the earthly mother of Jesus. And I want to read what transpired when the angel first approached Mary. Now some of you have heard this time and time again. Some of you have have maybe heard sermon after sermon every single year, and some point in time the pastor brings about this section of the text. But I would encourage you, let this sink in this year. Let it be more than just text in the Word, but let it be 
something that becomes alive. I believe that the very Word of God is to be alive in our hearts. I believe that the Word of God is to, to bring something out in us to make us more like what God would have us to be. So I would encourage you today, listen very carefully to what transpired. It found in Luke chapter 1, beginning verse 26, it says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God of God. Verse 38, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to figure out what the angel could mean. Now, let's jump forward about 30 years um, this is a moment where Jesus is teaching a, a large group of people. They've all gathered together, and suddenly out of the group of people, maybe a group this size, but suddenly somebody out of the group begins to holler out at Jesus, and they make this statement, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus takes a moment, and he processes this statement and then he responds by saying this beware guard against every kind of greed life is not measured by how much you own beware guard yourself guard against every kind of greed life is not measured by how much you own the point is this Real life is defined by how you use what you've been given, what's been given to you. Let me say that again. Real life is defined by how you use what has been given to you. Real life is, is caring more about giving than it is receiving. It's caring more about giving to somebody else than it is getting for yourself. Real life is seeing everything as a gift from God. This Christmas revolution is to be engaged, not just observed. But how quick we are this time of year 
so willing to observe. We drive around neighborhoods and subdivisions just to observe the lights. We take our kids to see Santa Claus and observe their response. We watch the parades and we watch this and we watch that, always just observing what is happening. But I believe that as a believer, as a Christian, the role that we are to play is not just that of an observer, but a participant in this Christmas revolution. You see, Christmas is a gift that God gives to you. He's chosen you. Believe it or not, he's chosen you, he, he has sought you out, he's forgiven you, he loves you, he's ready to guide you, he wants to bless you, but we are tempted to think that life is found in possessing more stuff. The more that I can gain, the better off I am. That's the thought process that we have. When actuality is this, it's discovered in using and giving back through the one who owns it all. Real life is discovered, real life is found in giving back and using the resources that God has placed inside of us so that we can advance somebody else. Now, I know that Mary had all sorts of fear. But she never allowed fear to control her. Sure, she was a bit confused, the Bible says. One translation says she was cast out in her mind. She didn't know all of the details. But the Bible tells us that we don't have to have the answers. All that we need to do is trust. Lean not on our ability, but trust in Him. Rely upon Him. You see, here, here's the definition of faith. Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the confidence of things not seen. I like how the New Living Translation reads it. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It's the evidence of things we cannot see. Do you have that sort of faith in God today. Lord, I can't really see what is happening here. God, I really don't know what's around the corner. God, I don't know what you have in store. God, I haven't really figured out every step, but here's what I do believe. Lord, I believe that you are faithful. God, I believe that you are true. God, I believe that you're going before me. God, I believe that you're going to make a way where it seems impossible. God, I believe that you're going to be my supply. God, I believe that you're going to be my provision. God, I believe that you're coming on somebody do we have that sort of faith in God maybe you're cast out in your mind maybe you're bewildered maybe you don't know which way to turn but I would challenge you today I would encourage you today to begin to put your faith in God and in God alone Mary had all of these fears but she didn't allow it to distract her from her purpose. Oftentimes we allow fear to captivate us. We discussed that in great detail in week one, so we're not really going to go back and process fear too much, but I want to look at 
four fears that Mary could have allowed to defeat her. Number one is this, the fear of criticism. Are you ever afraid of criticism? You can imagine Mary, what's everyone going to think? I'm a peasant teenage girl. I'm, I'm really not this high quality person and and if i if i tell them that i'm having a baby and and then i say i'm a virgin they're going to criticize they're going to say i'm lying they're, they're not going to believe what i have to say the fear of criticism the second is the fear of the supernatural what's going to happen to me what, what is God really speaking into my life? I've never experienced this before. I've never had God speak audibly to me. I've never had an angel appear to me. Could you imagine that moment with Mary? I really don't know. I don't really understand. Again, you don't have to have it all figured out. You just have to have faith. You've just got to trust in Him. The next is the fear of inadequacy. How am I going to handle this? How am I going to process all this? I'm just not qualified. I, I'm not good enough. On the risk of overstating something that's been said so many times, there's a statement that is oftentimes used, and it's this. God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. God doesn't call the qualified he's not waiting for you to get it all figured out he's not waiting for you to get all of these things in order he's waiting for you to say yes i'm willing to go i'm willing to be i'm willing to do lord whatever you have in store god that's what i want to do the final was the fear of change how will this change my life can i just submit to you that mary becoming pregnant with the son of the most high God, Mary becoming pregnant with Jesus instantly changed her life. Some would say for the better, but can I also tell you it probably wasn't a smooth road. She faced a lot of difficulty because of the stance that she took. Maybe you're thinking, well, how's it going to change my schedule? I don't know how I'm going to alter things. I don't know really how I'm going to do this. You see, God may have to change what you're doing in order to get you to do what he's planned for you to do. He may have to take you out of that comfort zone. He may need to lead you in a new direction. He may have to totally lift you up and, and place you over here just to get you to do what he's called you to do. Are you willing to go through change for the kingdom of God? You see, these same four fears will keep this revolution of love that God has given us from ever coming to fruition. This morning, I want to share with you three responses. Three responses that we need to make on this Christmas revolution. Number one, we must desire to do God's will. We must desire to do God's will. Let me just ask you on the onset, do you desire to do God's will? It's easy right now just to say yes. I mean, come on, you're sitting amongst the church folk. It's easy right now to say, amen, praise God, brother, I, I want to do God's will. But what happens when the rubber meets the road? What happens 
when that angel appears before you and says, greetings, favored woman or man. What happens when God begins to speak into your life? What happens when God sets a new path in front of you? Are you willing to do God's will? Luke chapter 1, verse 46, it says, Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Is that your response? When God begins to speak into your life, when God begins to give you a purpose and a drive, when God begins to lay out a plan of action for you, when God tells you your role in this Christmas revolution is your response, oh, my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. See, one day, this angel appears to Mary and I'm going to paraphrase for a moment. The angel says, God's got a fantastic plan. He's going to come to earth in the flesh just so that you can see what he's like. He's got a purpose in this, and we'll get to that purpose later. But you're not ever going to believe how he's going to do this. You're not going to ever even think about how how he's chosen to come to this earth. Mary, he's going to use you. The Bible says that Mary was confused and bewildered. But she didn't say, no, I don't think so. Now, can can you find someone else? When God says, I want to use you, Mary didn't say, I've got a future that I've got to decide about. I've got plans. I've got ambitions. I've got Joseph. I've got dreams. This really isn't a, a convenient time right now. I've got to think about what's best for me. I've got to think about what's best for my future family. I'm just not sure this really fits in to the plans that I've got. She didn't say, I don't have time for this. She didn't decline God's proposal. But she says, my soul praises God. She desired to do God's will in her life more than anything else and the bible goes on in verse 48 to say this god took notice of this lowly servant girl look at that god took notice in a lowly servant girl why was it important that they put that section of phrasing in there lowly servant of God why couldn't they just said and God took notice of Mary or, or God took notice of this girl but a lowly servant girl I think it's important that that's in there because some of us feel lowly and insecure some of us feel less than worthy oftentimes And I would simply say this to you, just as God took notice of this lowly servant girl, this Christmas revolution time, God has taken notice of you. God sees you where you are. He sees what he's placed inside of your life. You may struggle to see that. 
You may have compressed it for so long, but I want you to know that God sees you where you are, and He simply wants you to respond. God uses people who want to be used. Yes? God uses people who want to be used. He's never going to force you, but He's going to give you that invitation. Why? Because God's taken notice of you. So my question is this, do you want to be used by God? Yes or no? It starts with a desire deep down inside of each and every one of us. Lord, I want to do your will. Lord, I don't know what this looks like. God, I don't have it all figured out. In fact, God, I don't know anything more than this. I want to do what you want me to do. Well, what's that going to be? I don't know. What's he going to have you do? I don't know. Where's he going to have you go? I don't know. But I'm just willing to go and do whatever God has in front of me. And here's the deal. It's not an automatic response. It takes intentionality on your part, on my part, to respond to God and say, yes, God. My soul praises God you. I rejoice in God. I rejoice in my Savior. Lord, whatever you have in store, Lord, whatever your will is, Lord, whatever your plan is for my life, Lord, I make myself available to you. You see, that's what Mary did. She said, whatever you said about me, let it come to pass. In other words, Lord, whatever you said, let it be done. It's a done deal, God. I'm signing up. I'm following you. Lord, just make the path straight. Lord, I'm willing to follow. One reason that God chose Mary is because Mary had a listening ear. She was tuned in to God. She was willing to listen to what God had to say. Lord, what do you desire for me? I would ask you that question. What do you desire in your life? Maybe your greatest desire is you want to get married. Maybe your greatest desire is that you want to own a house. You want to be financially independent. You want to make a million dollars. You just want to make it to retirement. Isn't it amazing how things change the older we get? I was sitting at a meeting the other day and I don't know where, how this came to my mind, but suddenly I thought to myself, man, I've only got like 20 years until retirement. I have a lot to get done. You know what I'm saying? I was like, wow, I, I'm closer to retirement now than I've ever been before. I've got a lot of work to do. I don't know how I got on that track. Let me move on. I got too much to do. What is your greatest desire? Well, you better have a greater purpose in your life than just those things. If that's your greatest purpose, you're going to miss the mark. Those things are fine. They're good things. None of those are bad. It, it, it's wonderful to get married. All the husbands said amen. Good response, guys. 
Wives, if your husband did not respond, you have my permission to elbow him right now. It's a good goal to own a house. That, that's good. It's a great goal to be financially independent. Retirement, I've been told retirement's great. I haven't been there yet. All these things are fine. But here's the deal. They're not God's purpose for your life. God has a plan for you that is so much greater than the tangible things that we can grab a hold of here on this earth. So I ask you today, how are you using God's gift to you? What are you doing with what he's made available to you? Salvation, what are you doing with it? Hope, what are you doing with it? The abilities, the talents that he's given you, what are you doing with them? What are you doing with the gift that God has given to you? You see, our first response is we've got a desire to do God's will. And our second response is this. We must be willing to pay the cost. We must be willing to pay the cost. Mary said in Luke chapter 1, verse 38, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. I want you to know when you make a statement like that, you better buckle up, buttercup, because there's going to be some rough road ahead of you. There's going to be a cost to following after Jesus. The Bible tells us that people will hate you because of him. And yet we're still supposed to love them. Wow, that doesn't make sense now, does it? According to this world, that makes zero sense. If they hate me, if they're rude to me, if they badmouth me, guess what? I'm coming back after you, buddy. But the Bible says we're to love our enemies. Bless those that curse us. See, it's not going to be an easy road. There's going to be a cost. So before you quickly respond, yes, Lord, I'm willing to do your will, you've got to ask yourself, are you willing to pay the cost? Let everything you have said about me come true. In other words, I'm willing to do whatever you want, God. But whatever that looks like, can you say today, Lord, more than anything else, I'm willing to do whatever you desire. Lord, more than anything else in my life, no matter what the cost is, God, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. There's always going to be a cost to following God's plan for your life. If you were to say to God, God, in 2020, I want to give you more of my time I want to be involved in service for you. I want to get closer to you than ever before, God. I want to do your will, Lord, whatever your plan is, Lord, in my family, in my work, in my life. God, whatever it is, God, I'm willing to do this. I want you to know it's going to cost you. I'm just going to be honest with you today. You're going to have to give up some stuff. There are going to be naysayers that you encounter in life. There's always going to be a cost. There's a risk involved. Faith is required. 
You'll have to step out and do something in the unknown, and oftentimes that is quite scary. But Mary said, God, I'm willing to do whatever you want. That word whatever literally means everything. Lord, it doesn't matter what it is. Lord, I'm willing to step out and follow you. Lord, whatever you desire, that sounds a a little bit risky to me. Have you ever said that to God? God, I'm willing to pay the price. God, I'm willing to pay the cost. Can you imagine what it cost Mary? It cost her reputation. She gave up her reputation so she could simply be the mother of her Messiah. I ventured to say for many years people didn't believe her. They probably said, why hasn't Joseph left Mary? They're such a dysfunctional family. They were messed up from the very onset of things. She's pregnant and Joseph won't even admit that it's his. Right? The point is this. If you get serious about God's plan for your life, God, I'm going to do, God, I'm willing to do whatever you want in my life. God, whatever you desire, God, I'm willing to pay the cost. I'm willing to move forward. There are going to be people that misunderstand you. It may cost your reputation. There'll be people that judge you. Oh, you know, they're just one of them Jesus freaks. They go over there to that Assembly of the God Church. They're Pentecostal. They swing from the chandeliers. No, we don't. We don't have chandeliers. And there's not enough of those for you guys to swing from. <laughs> there are going to be people that criticize you. Can I, can I just be kind of upfront and, and just real honest with you? Some of those that criticize you may even be well-intended people in the church. Can I just say to you, be careful. If you're one of those well-intended people, you have good intentions, but you're very critical... Come on now. The Bible says don't sow dissension. Don't don't stir up trouble. Don't cause problems. But let God lead you. Let God direct you. Get rid of that critical spirit. By the way, that's all a side note. It's not even in here. That's just for you. But that person that's critical to you, they may actually be sitting pretty close to you right now. Are you willing to pay the cost? Is it worth it? Absolutely it's worth it. Was it worth it for Mary? Absolutely. Aren't you glad that Mary said yes? Man, how drastically different this Christmas revolution could have been if Mary would have went, no. I'm just not interested. You might go two houses down, there's somebody down there, and Frida Louise down there, she might say yes. That's a real biblical name, Frida Louise. So it cost her her reputation, and next it cost her comforts. Ladies, I want you to think with me for a moment. Imagine that you are Mary. Jesus is to be born in Bethlehem, and you're in Nazareth. You're nine months pregnant, and suddenly the man that you're engaged to says, guess what? We need to go to Bethlehem. We need to travel there, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to get a donkey, 
And if you would, could you just ride the back of that donkey all the way to Bethlehem? It'll be great. Ladies, how would you like to ride on the back of a donkey when you're nine months pregnant? But it didn't stop there. Mary goes on. Here she is, a young teenage peasant girl. She has her first child in a, in a foreign city, in a stable. Family's not around. Maybe a cow or two and the donkey, well, he's there. Was that easy? No. Then a short time later, word comes back to you that the king wants to kill your baby. So you flee for safety to Egypt? Was that easy? No. You see, it it cost Mary her comfort. What are you willing to give up to be used by God? What sudden, radical, complete change are you willing to allow to take place in your life? You may have to give up some habits. There may be some things that you've done for 10, 15, 20, 30, 35 years that God says, you need to stop that. You need to give that up. You may have to give up some relationships. You may have some friends that are pulling you down. They're not building you up, but they're pulling you down. He may ask you to set aside your dreams, your plan, your vision, your ambition, your goals, your finances, just to follow him. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to give up whatever it takes in order that what God has planned can come to fruition? See, I can't answer that question for you. I would encourage you not to answer it flippantly. Not just to give a quick, yeah, whatever he wants response. But would you make that a matter of prayer? Lord, what does that look like in my life? Lord, if I'm not willing to do that, God, does something need to change in me? What needs to change in me? Our first response is we've got a desire to do God's will. The second, we must be willing to pay the cost. And number three, we must dare to trust His promises. We must dare to trust his promises. Luke chapter 1, verse 34 says, Mary asked the angel, but how can I have a baby? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit shall come upon you. The power of God shall overshadow you, so the baby born to you will be utterly holy, the Son of God. For every promise from God shall surely come true. Every promise from God will surely come true in that moment. I believe that Mary came to the realization that God was more than able to do 
what he said he would do. For nothing is impossible for God. Absolutely nothing is impossible. A sudden, radical, complete change in your life is not impossible for God. Well, Pastor, I'm not the one that needs to change. Huh. A sudden, radical, complete change in many of us needs to take place. The, the question is, are we willing to go through that process? Or are we satisfied being stuck in the rut that we're in? Do we really trust God or not? Or is our trust in God limited to an hour and 15 minutes on a Sunday morning? Well, I trust God. I come to church every single Sunday. Okay. What about when the rubber meets the road? What about when life gets tough? What about when struggle comes your way? What about when he asks you to take that step forward? Are you willing to trust him? What about when he asks you to give up that situation or that circle? What happens when he asks you to step away from that relationship because it's toxic? Are you willing? Are you willing to trust his promises? Do you really believe that nothing is impossible with God? On the surface, it's easy for us to say, yeah, absolutely I believe that. But do we really? Do you really believe that? You see, the reason God doesn't do miracles in many lives today is this. We don't expect him to. I've heard it over and over in the last 20 years of ministry. Why doesn't God do miracles? Why doesn't God perform miracles today like he did back in the Bible times, back like he did back in grandma and grandpa and great grandma and grandpa's day? Why doesn't God do more now than like he did then? Because we don't expect him to. We're satisfied with this. Come in, we have a few songs. Hear the pastor preach for a few moments. But by this point in the service, you're already tuned out and you're thinking, what time does Golden Corral open? I come to the early service, that way I can beat the Baptist to lunch. We don't really expect God to perform a miracle. You see, God uses people who dare to trust his promises. Do you dare to trust his promises? Second Corinthians says this, For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in the baby that was born in the manger in the little town of Bethlehem. Actually, it says, for all of God's promises that have been fulfilled in Christ. That was the baby born in the manger in the little town of Bethlehem. With a resounding yes! And through Christ, our amen, which means yes! Ascends to God 
for his glory. For all of God's promises have been what? Fulfilled. That means it's a done deal. It's a yes and a yes. Jesus has made a way. You can trust in God's promises. It's going to take courage. But here's the deal. Courage doesn't mean you're not afraid. Did you know that you can have courage and still be afraid? Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is moving ahead in spite of your fear. When I was a teenager, there was a young adult guy in the church named Bob. Bob was a good friend of mine. Bob was a, a leader. Uh, he would take me out and we'd play tennis together. But one thing Bob got me doing when I was a teenager was jumping off cliffs with a rope tied around my waist. In fact, I still have in my desk all of my rappelling gear just in case I ever need to jump off a cliff. Um, I'm missing the rope, which is vitally important. But I have all the other stuff. Uh, there was a time that we went to St. Uh, Elizabeth, Missouri, and there was a 160-foot bluff. And Bob said, you ready to jump? Can I just tell you, I was scared. I got saved like five times coming down the edge of that cliff. I was full of fear. But I mustered up the courage, pushing fear aside to accomplish the task that lied in front of me. Can I just tell you, I jumped off, I climbed up, I jumped off, I climbed up, I jumped several times. But here's the deal, I had to learn to push fear aside. Again, courage is not the absence of fear, it's moving ahead in spite of your fear. It's facing your fear. In other words, courage is faith. I believe that I'm going to make it to the bottom of this cliff alive. But if I don't, to be absent in this body is present with the Lord. Oh, that's probably not a good thought, was it? I was a teenager. I was invincible. Mary had every reason to be worried. What she was facing was great responsibility. But instead of worrying, what did Mary do? She worshipped. Luke 1 shares with us Mary's song of worship. Instead of worrying, she worshiped. Instead of panicking in the unknown, she began to praise and pray. I would suggest to you, when you are faced with a situation that seemingly is over your head, begin to give God praise. Begin to give God worship. Put your trust and your faith in Him. Why? Because nothing is impossible with God. So I ask you again, are you willing to be used by God? To say, God, anytime, anywhere, any place, Lord, use me, Lord, whatever it means. 
Lord, if it's my agenda, my goals, my dreams, my plans, my finances, whatever it is, God, I put it all on the line before you. Lord, I can't stand another day without being right in the center of your will. Now it's Christmas time. Let me ask you a question. What are you going to get Jesus this Christmas? You've bought gifts for everyone else, but normally you would get gifts on somebody's birthday to the birthday boy, right? And Jesus is the birthday boy. What are you going to give to God? Well, you say, I don't have really anything to offer God. He already has everything. No, he doesn't. He doesn't have all of you. Unless you give it to him. May I suggest to you that this Christmas, you give Jesus the Christmas gift of you. God, here I am. All of me, the good, the bad, the ugly, Lord, I give it to you. Whatever you have for my life, Lord, let it be. So let me ask again, what is your role going to be in this Christmas revolution? That's ultimately up to you. Are you willing to desire God's will? Are you willing to pay the cost? Are you willing to dare to trust his promises? As Mary said, may everything you have said come true. What role do you want to play in this Christmas revolution?